This is episode 42 of the Steady Trade Podcast with your host, Tim Bowen. There's too much volume there. That's telling you it's all new buyers. And Steven Johnson. Uh, and I didn't cut it because I was copying. I just thought, you know what it is? Me account size is all right. I've been doing well. I'm sure this one's going to come down. Famous last words. Famous last words. Today's episode tells a story. This is the monster under the bed. It's a scary story. The scary monster. This is the candy man. If you're old enough like Shit. me to remember the movie, you never say Candyman's name five times or he appears, but this monster is the FOMO monster. F-O-M-O, the fear of missing out. The FOMO monster. That doesn't sound like a very scary monster, Tim. That sounds like a Elmo tickle me monster. What, what's what's scary about FOMO? Steven got bit by this again today or yesterday. and Oh, and he lost another $5,000, right. Um, what what is it that you always say, Tim? You either what or you what? You either learn or you earn. So you obviously didn't earn anything on this trade. So what can what can we learn from it? What can what can the listeners learn from it? Ouch! But yeah, so that's today's episode. Everybody's going to be listening to it. You don't want to miss out on that, do you? Get it because of the FOMO, fear of missing out monster. You know, you don't want that to happen to you. Anyway, let's dip into today's mailbag. Today's question, can you give us some basic trading tips for more than just short setups? So Tim and Steven are going to be talking about other kinds of setups right now. Liam Tanner says, maybe we should not just have a short selling special Maybe we could go through some of the setups you listed, such as longs, breakouts, 52-week highs. Give us some basic trading tips for them. And then he goes on to say, other than that, does someone find their best setup they understand at random, which is a great question, or do they go through a predetermined setups and figure it out from there? So basically, uh, can you give some examples of some setups and can you help Liam Tanner find out how he can find his own setup for himself that he likes? Well, I, you know, we talked about this here and there on the podcast. I say it, it sounds like you're getting started in momentum stocks. So I say the one of the best setups to look for is that what we call a VWAP hold high a day break or an ABCD setup. There's a lot of different names for it, but that's that stock that spikes early, has news, is 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 breaking out on the chart, whether it be nine, you know, ninety days, six months, or a year. Then it then it consolidates, holds through the day, and then rebreaks late day. So that is now confirming to you that this stock, you know, it, it has at least one day worth of worth of gains in it. Doesn't mean it won't gap down tomorrow, but if you've got the news, you got the chart, it's a good quote unquote story. Hopefully, it's you know it's 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 not total fluff news, which we'll, you know we we need to discuss that. What's how do I recognize the difference? But when you get that setup, that that's what I call when the stock proves itself. Now it could still fail late day, but when you get that secondary break on news with a good looking chart, those are the stocks that tend to continue the next day, so on. Yeah, and I mean, I, I'm definitely not going to give any long advice, especially with you, not yeah, because I'm the worst. I'm the worst long of all time. But and I don't know why I'm like backwards or something when it comes to longing, but. Um, for me, what I've seen a lot work recently with longs is these kind of low float, uh, it's been low float mania recently, but these low float high volume runners, and even if the news isn't great, they'll, they'll go through the roof, they'll even halt a few times, they'll come down, they'll look like they're failing, but then they'll kind of consolidate around VWAP and they'll run into the close again. 
Mm-hmm. I've seen that a lot of times, and that is kind of that Feywa pulled. I don't know if you've seen that as well. Yeah, and the only reason, and I totally agree. I mean, we had last week, we had a couple, we had a thousand percent runner that did exactly that. The only reason I, I, I avoided discussing that is especially when these stocks start halting as a new or aspiring trader, that's a scary place to be. And these things make big moves to the up and down side. Yeah, which can really test your discipline and, and can often you often can get scared out, even though the trade works. Yeah. And that is a that setup is kind of a I would call it a seasonal setup. You know, the, these low floaters kind of flare up and then kind of go away. So it's not like it's something you can if you're sitting there looking for them every day and every week. Sometimes they just they, they kind of run in packs, basically. Chest size. <laughs> Three, two, one. Welcome back to the Steady Trade Podcast. Today we have a, you know, a topic that is very important, very recurring, which kind of happens to be recurring to a certain extent with my co-host. But uh, you know, I, I call this the, you know, this is the monster under the bed. This is the scary monster. This is the candy man. If you're old enough like Shit. me to remember the movie, you never, you never say Candyman's name five times or he appears. But the monster that, that bites so many traders, new, intermediate, advanced. I mean, hey, I deal with it. I deal with it every day. <laughs> Chest size. And, and this, this monster is the FOMO monster, F-O-M-O, the fear of missing out. And Stephen got bit by this again today or yesterday. And the reason it's called the fear of missing out is, is in the end, Stephen shorted a stock early, got torched, and today it was an incredible short. Late day yesterday, the stock faded into the close. It gapped down. I think it's down 20% or something like that today. Yeah, 98.65. <laughs> okay. All right. I, I, I was bought by 0.35%. Yeah, you fucked, right? <laughs> but, but. You know, the, the, so, so, the, so he recognized a great setup and this is exactly his type of trade. You know, it was a sketchy biotech stock spiking into long-term resistance on mediocre news, all these things he looked for, but, and this is something we talked about in Stock State Trade Pro yesterday morning, he piles in at like 8.50 a.m. Eastern, which is, you know, which is pre-market, which is something that works sometimes but it can be very dangerous but the the nasty monster of fomo reared its head and and so kind of walk us through yesterday morning steven and 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 let's kind of debate this and what we can possibly do to lessen this or to learn from this because you know i stole this quote i use it every day in stocks to trade pro but you know you either learn or you earn so you obviously didn't earn anything on this trade. So what can, what can we learn from it? What can, what can the listeners learn from it? Uh, ADOM, ADOM was one of those situations. And, and I just want to prerequisite by saying uh, the, the loss was about 4,700. Uh, but the way, I mean, for me, it was a bad night. Uh, but the way things are in, and uh, the worst of it was when Timothy Sykes uh, publicly wrote in the chat room saying, <laughs> Stephen is a degenerate. <laughs> but but uh, I talked about it with him and, it, and it's all good. But um 
Oh, trust me. He yelled at me too. I, I was getting text messages about you. I'm like, I'm like, Hey, he's my podcast host. He isn't my little brother. Don't, don't call me. Go, don't, don't yell at me about this. Was he actually yelling at you? He was. Oh yeah. Yelling. Oh yeah. Yeah. He was really pissed. Eh? He was really pissed. He was like, what the fuck are you doing? Taking stupid notes like that. And I was sorry. And sorry for the language. I'm not, I'm not going to swear, but this is a, a crazy situation. But uh, yeah, I mean, I've been super good at cutting losses and I've always been cutting them at um always been cutting them at like four hundred dollar losses, five hundred dollar losses for the last five months. But this crazy FOMO came out of nowhere and it flipped me upside down and all of a sudden I'm looking at a loss of a thousand dollars and I'll I'll go through the train. I'm like, I don't wanna lose a thousand dollars. I'm like, I don't wanna lose two thousand dollars. I don't like I don't wanna lose three thousand dollars. Um but I mean I'm cheerful about it now because I've thought about it. I'm three thousand dollars off green, it's literally ten, three hundred dollar days. For me, fortunately, I'm in a position where I can I consistently can make three hundred dollars a day. So it's it's a couple of weeks, three weeks, four weeks, five weeks, and I should be back on track. So I'm saying it with some jest, but it wasn't jest at the time. But I'll talk you through it. Uh, I mean basically Adam, the warning sign, I mean, and maybe we can put a graph of the chart on the screen, unfortunately, for the podcast partners. I'll try and explain it with as much clarity as possible. But with but if, Adom, if you are if you are listening and maybe you're at your computer, you could bring up A D O M on May twenty first is is the chart we'll be talking about. So Yeah, and I'm not I'm not hundred percent sure of the float. I think it was thirty, forty million. But the the chart is a really bad downtrending stock. Uh, and I've took two losses of four thousand seven hundred in me in me career so far. And both have been when the stock had um, multi-lifetime, multi-year, all-time volume highs. Whenever the stock trades more volume than it ever has in its history before, it doesn't really matter if the chart's downtrending or not. When it, when it gets that crazy-ass huge volume, just mental stuff can happen. And it, it can really just go anywhere at any time. And I remember looking at, at the first green day when I traded around 10 million volume, thinking that's a bit scary. But I tracked this pattern and I've only seen one in 10 run. One in 10 that got up, got up 10, 20% that have run 50%. About one in 10 of them run. So I'll just put this volume to one side. And if you remember the Ducks conference, he says, if you have conflict and indicate as bullish and bearish, don't take the trade. Maybe that's something I could have taken into account. But that was only my first mistake. I don't regret uh, taking the trade because... Well, yeah. And, and again, you know, that's, something, that's something I want to focus on is, is it's not, well, again, I, I, I might argue with you a little bit about entering in pre-market, but I mean, the, the tail of the tape is there. It was a good trade in, in hindsight. It's just piling in and not recognizing the volume is kind of what I wanted to focus on. Yeah. I mean, for me, when you look at Adom, if you look at a pre-market, um, you have this kind of it's making lower highs. The volume's not very heavy. You think everybody's kind of lost interest. And for me, it's, it's lower high, lower high, lower high. It looks like it's going to basically crack uh, its previous day support in the pre-market from when I was looking at it yesterday. But what actually happens is it ramps up last minute and it just spikes like crazy out of nowhere. So pre-market, for me, pre-market, it looked like it was going to kind of fall through support in the 120s and collapse. So I was short again. What, what, gonna... what was your entry? Entry uh, my, my entry, I Roughly. was basically, I was shorting in the 145s very early at about 7.40 in the morning. And I was taking yeah. profits in the, in the, sorry, in the 150s. I was taking profits in the 140s. I was up a few hundred bucks on it. And then I thought it was going to crack in the 130s and just fail all day. 
So I took a very small position of like 300 shares and then I averaged up 300 and then I averaged up 300 because it was keep on spike. And then all of a sudden, so, so you're, you're making, you're making, you know, there's something we got to talk about there. And, and I, I haven't talked to Steven about this trade yet. I just knew he, he took the loss, but so you're, you're breaking maybe the cardinal rule with, with shorting high volume stocks in that you're adding to a loser at this point, correct? Yeah, I mean, I don't have a major problem with adding to a loser unless you plan to add to the loser. If you plan to add to the loser and you say, I'll short a 30 year, a 30 year, and a 30 year, then that's okay. But what I did was I shorted at support, which I, I knew at the time, I was thinking, don't short support because, but I was thinking it's going to fall through. And that was me planning. Sometimes short and support, it falls through, you can scalp. But my plan didn't work. And instead of cutting it, I just thought, well, I'll just add higher and add higher and add higher. And it's probably going to come down because all of these stocks come down. At most, there's like 8 9 10% in the, in the open and they come down. But the problem is a lot of people will be going long at support and they'll be taking it off at 10%. So I was pretty much given all the longs buying at support, their profit window. I was paying them out right, uh, effectively. And, uh, and then basically, yeah, and then from there, it, it spiked and spiked and spiked. And again, it, it had a kind of a bit of a, a, it spiked and failed and had a washout in the morning. It spiked and then washed a little bit in the morning. And if a stock ever spikes and fails and then starts retracing and going higher, all the shorts are underwater, everybody's stuck. And, and that's the same, whenever I'm shorting stocks that gap up, if it, I love it. I love nothing more than seeing a stock spike and fail. But if that stock spikes, fails, and consolidates, or if it goes red and then red green, every single person who shorted that is underwater. Yeah, and and, and, and then know, it's the, the squeeze. What I see, you know, yesterday morning is is especially that, you know, that reclaim of the pre market high, and and again on crazy volume because so yeah. what that tells you is when you get the kind of volume that ADOM has. Yesterday traded almost 50 million shares yesterday. The first five yeah. minute candle was like a three minute or three million shares in that first five minute candle. So when you get that reclaim of the morning highs, that that's all new buyers. You know, this is, yeah. this is, this is, you know, everybody's seeing it on their high a day scan. Everybody's seeing it on their, on their breakout scan, on their gapper scan, on their volume scan. So you've got that whole dollar, half dollar, which people love, you know, people love those key levels. You know, there's a reason when you buy a bag of chips, it's 99 cents. Or when you buy a car, it's $19,999 or a watch and it's $299. People key on those levels and it's the same way with those whole dollar, half dollar levels. So when you see that buck 50 level, it's also the reclaim of the morning highs and there's all this volume coming in. That's not just, you know, shorts covering from this morning. It's not people adding from this morning. There's too much volume there. That's telling you it's all new buyers. And I always use the, the, the analogy that always comes to mind on something like ADOM when it hits the high of day. If you, you could Google the World War Z Jerusalem wall scene. And, you know, if you've seen that movie, you'll remember it's just like 10,000 zombies swarming to the wall and they're basically climbing over each other's backs to then get up and over the wall. And when I see ADOM breaking the high day on that kind of volume, that's what always comes to mind. And 
and especially in this market we're in, especially early in the day, I want to be buying those, not shorting those. Yeah, and 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 volume volume is such an important indicator. It's probably, I mean, price action and volume are the most important indicators above any other. And and it's above catalyst. It's above. Uh, yeah, if you're if you're market. if you're looking at if you're looking at Fibonacci's and RSI and Bollinger bands and all this stuff, and you're not paying attention to volume, you need to delete all of that crap off your screen yeah. because until then you're until you're focused. I mean, you can multitask, you can look at all these indicators, but if you're looking at all these indicators and ignoring volume, back off, get that stuff off your screen and focus on volume. Yeah. And, and, and so many new traders now made the same mistake as well. And I know this is a segue, but so many new traders think I'm not making money. I need to add all of these indicators, but what they really, what they then become is a jack of all indicators, but a master of none. And what you really need to do is master one indicator in depth. And the best indicator to master first is probably volume, price action and volume. And, uh, and, and the, the great thing that I've, I've learned recently is if a stock tops out and on the day it, topped and it, tra it traded 50 million shares, that, that is almost unbreakable volume because it's going to need to trade 50 million shares again to probably try and break that level. But the problem is, if it's, and, and I've only thought about this in the reverse way since I've took this last, so it was a very good lesson. If a stock hasn't traded much volume in its past and it trades insane levels of volume, it works the opposite way and it's going to break to, it has the potential to break to huge highs. Now, what, uh, at what point, where did you take this loss? What price, where did you ultimately stop out on this? Yeah. So basically uh, I was shorting again from the 134 is very small. And my plan was, I was going to short about a five, 6% spike, which is part of my plan. One, one, 151, 152. And I was going pretty much full size in the one sixties. Because I shortened against the pre-market high, and then when it blew through the 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 one sixties, that's the perfect time that I should have cut it. But I made the fatal mistake of saying, Do "You know what it is? I'll just wait for a dip." And I'll be interested to get your advice on this. I thought I'll wait for a dip, and the dip never came. It just ripped to basically the twos. And I mean, it was a little bit choppy. It was a, a little bit in and out. But I never got a real clean pullback. And then when I did get the pullback, I was making that other mistake of thinking, "Oh well, maybe this is the end. I'll just wait." Do you know what I mean? Yep, yep. Now, where, where did you ultimately cover at, roughly? Uh, ultimately, I covered when it dipped, and then it kept on pushing. I was out in about the 175s, 176s. Okay. okay. And, it, and, it, and it ran to the twos. Right. Uh, so, to be honest, I could have lost about 10 or 15 grand. Oof. Had a, Do you know what I mean? I lost five grand. I lost 4,700. I could have easily lost 10, 12, 13 grand. If I'd have held through it all, I probably would have made five grand. Sure. But, yeah. <laughs> so, but, the, um, so, so back to your question, you know, I say, you know, the, so, so I'm going to answer your question in relation to what you did. You know, you're saying, okay, should I, should I wait for dips to cover? Should I just get out? In my opinion, in your situation, going back to yesterday, You've already told yeah. me that you've already told me that you broke your plan. You 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 weren't going to you weren't going to keep adding. That wasn't your initial plan. You started adding to justify. I say once you've broken that plan, once you once you've 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 added to a loser when you said you weren't going to add to a loser. I don't care what the price is. Get out because it never gets better. Well, maybe not never, but 99 out of 100 times it only gets worse it's it's yeah. it's almost bizarre the way it works yeah. but when you hit that front side short 
and you're adding when you said you wouldn't add it 90, probably 999 out of a thousand times, it always gets worse. It's, it's, it's all, it can always get worse than you thought it could. But it, it always just comes back to, to you shouldn't be shorting or you shouldn't be taking trades that you're not familiar with. If you're not familiar with the pattern, you shouldn't take it because if it's one of me bread and butter setups, like the stocks that gap up and crap, the minute I see a wash and a high or low, I'm the first one out. I'll beat every other short out of that short. I'll, be, I'll beat them all. I'll be the first one out at the high or low. And if I cover early and take early profits and left tons on the table, doesn't matter because I know more times than that when it makes a high or low on a low float with high volume, it's going to run. So, but with this pattern, I'm not that familiar with it. So I'm just hoping uh, it'll probably come down. The data roughly that there's, I've seen there's the, there, the, there's, there's, there's the other no. lesson from this episode. Notice how, <laughs> notice how he brought in the hope word. You know, you, we, we try not to swear on the t- steady trade, steady trade podcast. You know, we'll, uh, uh, yeah, a swear, a swear word will slip out every now and then, but the ultimate swear word on the steady trade podcast is hope. That is that is that is the the worst four letter word ever in trading. If you utter that word, it is much worse than any other four letter word. But uh, but yeah, I mean it, the, the whole thing comes down to, and I mean I can say it with a bit of jest now because I, I feel okay about it. It's nowhere near as bad as the last time when I took. You really had to pick me up after that when my, when I last took the four thousand seven hundred dollars. That was like I'm quitting trading. <laughs> I'm done. It's over. I'm I'm walking away and I'm not coming back. Yeah, I remember was, I had, uh, you know, I, that got, was, that was tough. I a lot of, you know, I, I coach a lot. I've coached a lot of youth sports through the years. And, and yeah, I really had to, I had really had to coach, coach you up at that point. It was like, you were, you, you, you'd struck out four times in that game and, and we had a double header and I was like, man, I, I got to lift him up or he's going 0 for 4 in the second game. Nah, it's 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 much better when you know that you can make the money back if you stick to your bread and butter. It's it's a lot. It comes a lot easier, and the losses aren't as bad. And I've had I've had a lot of supportive people being like, "Don't worry, you'll be back in a, in a three, four, five, six weeks." And I think I will. But um, but the whole thing comes from it's it's fear of missing out causes you to not to break a plan. And if you break a plan, you're just done for. Like, I broke my plan. I got in an uncomfortable situation. Then I didn't want to cut the loss. If your plan is to cut the loss, and then you know, oh, well, it's broke my plan. I need to cut the loss. But I went in kind of without a plan. See, and and it's mental. I must be an idiot, but how, after two years, can I not go in with a plan? You know, and, and I think that's, that's, we talk about it, you know, seems like every episode, but that's why, that's why we bring it up so much. I mean, I can't, I, you know, I can't sit here and say, I don't make the same mistakes, you know, trading, it's about mistakes. It's, it's a lot like baseball. I use this analogy a lot. You know, the, the best baseball players, you know, the, the, the best of the best still get out 60% of the time. I mean, if you're batting 400, you're all-star, you're probably in the hall of fame. So it's a game of mistakes, but the biggest thing to take away is to recognize when you, when you've got that hope, when you recognize the FOMO, when you're looking at this stock, which, you know, it was, the simple fact is, you know, ADOM was up. Bear with me. Yesterday morning, you know, it was, I mean, it was up 100% at the point yep. that Steven shorted it. So, you know, you, you need to recognize that just because it's up, especially in this market, just because it's up 100%, you know, we had SNES the last couple of days that went three, four hundred percent. So you need to wait 
And I tell you, especially if you're a new short seller or an aspiring short seller, the risk to reward is so much better late day. Now, Stephen deals with the fact that, you know, he's in Dubai, he's eight hours ahead and it's like two in the morning if he's shorting it at, at two in the afternoon for a lot of us. But um, really try and battle that FOMO, especially in pre-market, man, because so many, you see it a lot. There's so many of these runners, they, they spike pre-market, they pull, and then they reclaim that high right after the open. And, and, and patience is the key, I think. Yeah, I mean, what threw me off, I think, with Adam as well was the volume felt a little bit light. It felt it didn't feel too heavy. Well, it didn't turn on until the open. I mean, that's the one thing I will just I, I will defend you in pre-market. It was just kind of doing whatever. It wasn't like it was ridiculous volume in pre-market. But as soon as the bell rang, it was off to the races. That's for sure. Exactly. And, and that's when I kind of thought that, uh, is this stock, man, stock manipulated or what? But even if it is manipulated, it doesn't matter. Like you've got to, you've got to play the game. We're in the game. Yeah. But, uh, the one, the one, the one thing I will say, and I, I, I put this out on a tweet the other day and, and it, it's done quite well because it probably resonates. And it's when you're running quite well and you're making money that you've never made before and you're experiencing profits that you've never experienced before, be absolutely explicitly front of mind aware that you a big loss could be right around the corner because it's when you you start losing touch with reality when you're winning constantly and you're on a hot streak and i mean a hot streak can be different for different people but for me after losing for a year of trading to be up up six seven k in five months like i was like up in the air up in the clouds thinking i can't believe this is happening i've finally made it as a trader and then boom the minute you start thinking like that your feet leave the ground very quickly get humbled by the market. And before you know it, you're not that far away from where you started, yeah. uh, profit and loss-wise. And I think that, that, that's the, the goal. Our quote of, of the episode for sure is, is recognize when you're on that hot streak and, and there's no point in, and, you know, it's, it's about repetition. It's about learning, but there's no point in giving back five months of gains simply because you got a little cocky, you know, you think, you think, you think everything's working and then you start going into trades without plans. You start hoping you start repeating all these mistakes that we talk about every week. And now, and yeah, you know, I'm confident we can get you back to where you were and back on the profit train, but to give back several months of gains, that, that, that's a tough place to be just because of being bullheaded and being, you know, bit by the FOMO monster. Yeah, and I mean, and it's tough because I mean, I chatted to Tim about it, Tim Sykes, and, and he was just saying, "Look, you've got to take full accountability and responsibility for this, and it's your problem and it's your fault, and you need to you need to lift up." And in the back of my head, I was like, "Yeah, but I mean, I know Huddy lost for a year, and then he was give, making money and giving back money for a year, and now look at where he is now, and the other guys have took big big losses as well." But he was like, "Nah, don't think about other people. This is on you. This is your mistake. Don't don't console it with, with I think other that's a good people." Point, yeah. Um, and I was just like, yeah, yeah. I mean, I literally need to print out. I just, I just need to remember cutting. This is the other thing. Cutting losses is the number one rule. And I can't understand why I let it slip. Why would you think that the number one rule in all of trading is not relevant anymore? Why, why would you think that? But we all do though. I mean, you've, you've took losses. I've took losses. Everyone's took losses. Everyone seems to forget that cutting losses quickly is somehow not important when you're making money. And I don't know why that is. Well, and, and especially, you know, the, the, the short game, I love the short game. I love shorting stocks, you know, not necessarily the best market for it, I think, but you know, it's, there's great opportunity there, but 
I've always said one of the things I love about shorting is you have to be, you know, an assassin when it comes to taking losses because they can, you know, like I said, it almost always gets worse. So the beauty, if you can have that discipline and you can stick to your plan, I mean, a lot of these stocks, it's real clear when it's time to get out. When that thing reclaims the high a day on big volume, and again, I'm not beating you up on this, but that's, no, a totally clear, agree. Totally agree. That, that's a clear signal that this thing ain't ready yet. But I'll, I'll tell you what, I mean, I was trading with a couple of me pals because I've got a couple of pals who I trade with. And, uh, and a couple... And a couple... <laughs> was Touche Touche was probably the one telling you to add. Touche doesn't take trades. He's like, I study 17 hours a day, but I've only took one trade all year because I haven't seen me set up. I'm like, Touche, you can't make money by not trading for three months. Like, there's discipline and there's discipline. But Touche will hate that I'm that I'm hating on him because I haven't spoken to him for a while. But I recommend, if you want to know Touche, search Touche Garcia's YouTube channel. Touche Garcia, he has an excellent rendition of a poem about his mom, and I fully recommend it. Uh, but on another subject, I've lost track. Yeah, I mean, th- this is the this I distracted is the you thing. with Touche. Yeah, I was just thinking about the poem he does with his mom. You'll, ha- I will have to say that at the end of the episode. It is, it is an absolute, awe-inspiring, uh, Golden Globe performance. But. I was trading the same setup with a couple of guys and um, they all cut it at high of day. I was the only one who didn't cut it. And I'm, oh, one, of the more exp- okay. and I'm one of the more experienced guys. I'm, I'm, I'm one, of the more, one of the guys at that time who was, I was the only profitable one in the trade overall. Uh, and I didn't cut it because I was cocky and I just thought, you know what it is? I'll write this one out. Count me, count sizes. All right. I've been doing well. I'm sure this one's going to come down. Famous last words. Famous last words. So, so well, I think we, I think we broke it down. So let's, let's give a takeaway. What, what are you, you know, and, and, and Hey, I'll be there again. You know, I'll break my plan. You know, I'll do it. I could do it this afternoon. Who knows? We'll, we'll all be there. Nobody's perfect. I always, I talk about this a lot in stocks to trade pro. If you're following somebody, whether it be on Twitter or in a chat room or whatever, if they say they're perfect or they are always right, I always use the, you know, there's that gif of Homer Simpson backing into the bushes. That's what I always think of when people say they're perfect. So we're all going to make these mistakes, but you've, you've had your hand burn on the stove here. I mean, what, what is your key takeaway? What are you going to fix in the future so that we don't have to have a third Stephen lost 5K <laughs> podcast? Uh, this is the time. I mean, of you know, it's, it's, it's like, it's like movies. You know, it's kind of like movies. Usually the first sequel isn't bad, but by the time they get to the third sequel, it's like nobody wants to watch this crap anymore. So we, we, we have to like block this into its own like series, right? Like part, Stephen Lost 5K part one, part two, and part three. And they're all like se- several months apart. Uh, no, but the, 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 I mean, the main takeaway for me is I was, I was very, very, very focused on one or two setups. And I didn't track enough data on, on, on this setup. And sometimes I compromise the setups a little bit because I really want to continuously make, and make money. Um, so for me, it's, it's a case of stepping back a little bit and only taking the setup when it's perfect. There's no need to, to try and make something a setup that's not a setup. Um, so for me, I, I'll, I'll, I'll short, but I, I need to make sure that I'm risking 2 3 4% max. And I need to have it factored in a plan that I'm risking three, 4% max. And sometimes that means you can't trade pre-market because you need 
you need to see spike at the open so you can make sure that your risk rewards are correct. And uh, so that that's that's the thing for me, not not going in shorts where I know that I could be risking seven, eight, nine, ten percent. I need to be risking uh, two, three, four percent max, and that's okay. I mean, take a half at one position, take a half higher up as long as it's planned. Uh, the other thing that I've started to do recently, which really um, has helped me because I'm I'm really trying to be risk averse at the moment is I'm looking for the higher priced stocks that I've been doing well on. And I did very well on WWE. I like, I like, I how, you say, I like how you say you're trying to be risk averse as you, yeah, as you add it to a, add it to a short trading 60 million shares about 23 hours ago. <laughs> <laughs> it's the new me. It's the new Jeevan. It's the new Jeevan, the new risk averse Jeevan. But, uh, but the other thing is a new pattern that I'll share with you guys. That's really, really, really working. WWE was an excellent short today. P P S G was it P S G C or P G S E or something like that? Can't remember. Um, was it P Lab? Was it? I'll t- I'll tell you right now. I took a few hundred. Um, P L A B was a failed earnings winner, but um, there was a stock. I mean, uh, I can't I can't find the ticker. Sadly, oh wait, trades. Um, P S T G P S T G was a very 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 good short today, and it's because it kind of. If you see any Ooh, yeah, any yep. yeah, any stock that has a weak close, weak after hours, it's overextended and it's closed weak. My favorite kind of short, and you can always get borrows with higher price stocks, is if you let them spike right into resistance and you wait for them just to fail at resistance, you can literally short risking half a percent, one percent when they look like they're about to fail the resistance, and you can pick up three, four, five, six percent. You know, that's, that's my thing is, is especially, you know, everybody loves these $1 stocks because they'll drop 50% out of nowhere. But I think, especially where we're at right now, I mean, there's huge opportunity in these 10, 15, 20, $30 stocks back to that rule of 10 we talk about. I mean, that, and that's, look up PSTG. I did not see this this morning. I mean, I don't see everything, but that's a, that's a, that's a sexy chart right there. I mean, it, it spiked. Brilliant, brilliant. It, it, I mean, exactly <laughs> to yesterday's highs and then failed. Yeah. So. Yeah. So my problem. And the was nice thing high- is, the nice thing is, you. I mean, I'm assuming since it's a twenty dollars stock, probably pretty much every broker had borrows. You don't have yeah, to worry. Easy. You know, one of the things Stephen deals with. Um, you know, I chastise him about shorting in pre-market, but one of the re- one of one of the the problems with his strategy is these a lot of these low price stocks have limited availability. So he feels, and here comes Mister FOMO again. He feels like he has to short in pre-market because if he doesn't, all of the borrows will be gone. But but the thing is, and this is a, a little thing that stocks the trade. I mean, what I do is basically do some research, do some due diligence. I'll, I'll spend an hour, maybe I'll spend 30 to 60 minutes. I'll go through all of these higher price stocks. I'll look for the ones with weak closes that are up a lot. I'll just set an alert. I'll just set an alert, an alert saying, if this gets to this price, I'm going to short it. Or I'm going to keep it on an eye. I'm going to watch it to fail. If, if it breaks through the level, it's a breakout. If it starts topping out of the level, I'm risking 1%. And, all, and you're doing nothing at the open. You're just standing there and you got, and then 20 minutes later, you got, and it's the stocks the traders doing it for you with the alert system. And you're just logging in, watching it fail, shorten. But the things with that is it's preparation. It's, um, it's a tight risk reward. So you're really not risking a lot. And then once you get a bit more comfortable, I'll size up a bit more on it. 
you know, actually we'll wrap this episode up, but we will do an, uh, soon an episode on that alert strategy. You know, I think back to when I was a part-time trader, I lived and died by alerts. My pro real quick, I'll kind of tease this coming episode, but my process back when I was a part-time trader, I had a business, I had a family, everything, you know, um, I'd get up early, do exactly what you just said. And I would set so many freaking alerts every day. I might have, I, I still get them today. I used to use thinkorswim back in the day. And some of these alerts are like eight years old. I'll get some alert. I'm like, <laughs> what stock is this? But I would set some days, maybe two alerts, some days, maybe 10. And then what I would do, and this is what I've talked in past presentations and videos when I was a part-time trader, I only traded if that alert went off. And, and I wasn't chasing, I wasn't chasing shiny objects. I wasn't feeling FOMO because I set all my levels and I walked. And then if that phone didn't buzz or that computer didn't beep, I didn't trade that day. So that's a, that's a great discussion. I didn't realize you were doing that. So. Yeah, so, so you're literally playing support and resistance as well. You're yeah, playing support yeah, and resistance. Yep. It's crazy how many traders do it and how easily it works and yep. how you can, you can do it with size and make money and there's no risk. But that's the point. I'm trying to be more risk averse. And I'll ask you what your advice is to stop FOMO as well, just to close it out. But I'm just taking less risk. Shorten if the stock gets to the price. And uh, the strategy that I've got, which is really working, is I'm shorting with 1% risk yep. on stocks that are overextended or, or they've shown signs of weakness. But what would, what would you say your advice was for, for FOMO well, chaser? So my... I'm assuming the majority of our listeners are, you know, we talk about this a lot, are either new or intermediate traders. So I say if you're a new or, you know, maybe new to low price stocks is you only trade stocks that are on your research from the previous day. Avoid today's crazy runners. I mean, that will save you from getting run over so many times. ADOM, perfect example. I don't know how hard it was to borrow today. I didn't check. But if you ignored it yesterday and then looked to short it today, you know, like we mentioned when we went live, it's down 20%. Do your previous day's research. Look at the previous day's runners and force yourself. You know, ADOM didn't spike till almost nine o'clock. Just get that stuff off your screen. And I'm talking long or short because so many of these stocks are incredible shorts day two, day three, day four, but they run three out of four times. They run everybody over day one, day one, yeah. ignore. That's, that's the biggest takeaway. Yeah. And just a final thing to, to, to call it out. Uh, I've, I've, this is the second ex loss I've experienced. I just want to say to people, if they experience losses or they're worried about experiencing losses, it probably will happen. It's inevitable that it does happen, but it, it gets easier. It gets easier with time. And once you start being able to make money in the stock market, and you know that you probably can't get it back, it's a lot better. The, the hardest times and the most difficult times for any trader is when you're losing your own money and you're not sure if you're ever going to get profitable. That's the toughest time. And if you can get through that, uh, it, it just gets easier and easier. Hi, this is Erica Meyer from Toronto, Canada. And when I'm sitting at the cottage, I like to listen to Stephen and Tim on Steady Trade Podcast. You can register to win real actual prizes at their website, steadytrade.com. And if you really like what you hear, give the podcast a five-star rating and write us a glowing review on iTunes. I did. And this is how we say goodbye in Toronto. Ooh, look